0: Howdy Riffers, this is David Sanchez and this is episode 61 of the Riffs or Die podcast for Wednesday, January 26th, 2022. On this one, we've got another swap cast. I had a chat with Mr. Justin O'Donnell, who is a member of the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire. As you can probably imagine, we talked a lot about freedom and we talked a lot about liberty and how it relates to music and art. After this intro, you're going to hear the unfiltered, unedited version of the conversation that we had, so I hope you will enjoy. This episode also has a video, so if you want to see that while you're listening, it's only available right now on YouTube, so make sure you hit up the Riffs or Die YouTube channel and subscribe there and watch this interview. As always, if you want to support the podcast beyond just listening, you can give it a rating, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, if they allow ratings. Go ahead and give it some feedback. You can share it with your friends, encourage other people to listen to this, or you can always visit riffsordie.com or go to patreon.com slash riffsordie and subscribe to become a patron. This weekend, we're going to be doing another live Zoom hangout, so if you want access to that, go to Patreon and sign up at the $10 level or higher. Don't forget, you can always send me an email at podcast at riffsordie.com, And maybe I will answer your question or respond to your comment here on the show. So if you got some words for the show, feel free to write to me, podcast at com. So there is one topic I'd like to discuss here before we get into this interview. I'll give you a little timeline synopsis here. Check this out. You tell me if you think this is relevant. Here's a headline from November 4th. Bill Gates warns of smallpox terror attacks and urges leaders to use germ games to prepare. That was November 4th, of 2021. In that article, it talked about how there is some sort of a new medication called Gynios. Love those Gynios. It's J-Y-N-N-E-O-S, produced by Bavarian Nordic. And Gynios was initially approved in 2019 by the U.S. FDA and is indicated for preventing smallpox and monkeypox disease in adults 18 years of age and older, determined to be at high risk for smallpox or monkeypox infection. Then on November 17th, just a couple weeks later, the headline here on CNN Health says, Vials labeled smallpox found at vaccine research facility in Pennsylvania, CDC says. All right, so first off, Bill Gates says, hey, we really need to worry about smallpox being a thing and terror attacks happening with it. A couple weeks later, vials labeled smallpox were found at a vaccine research facility in Pennsylvania. Then fast forward to January 21st, 2022. That was last Friday. Here's a headline from CBS News. It says, authorities warn not to approach monkey missing after truck crash in Pennsylvania. Hmm. I think monkeys carry monkeypox, So there was a car crash and the monkeys were being transported to an undisclosed CDC location somewhere in the Midwest. Apparently, the car crash happened. Some of the monkeys got loose and there was a woman that actually got in close contact with one of them and was told by the CDC to look out for any symptoms. If you get any, let the CDC know. Let the Pennsylvania State Health Department know and contact a physician immediately. Then fast forward to the next day, on January 22nd, 2022, there's a headline here that the FBI confirmed its agents searched the Illinois headquarters of the Center for COVID Control amid a federal investigation into the multi-million dollar testing business. Quote, the FBI was conducting court-authorized law enforcement activity in Rolling Meadows, on January 22nd. So maybe they were trying to dig around for some COVID stuff, but maybe they weren't. Maybe it's related to this monkey thing that had these monkeys on their way to an undisclosed location somewhere in the Midwest. Maybe it has nothing to do with it, but maybe it does. I don't know. And then shoot forward just a couple more days to January 24th, 2022. Here's a headline on hbg100.com. That's Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Headline says, Witness at scene of CDC lab monkeys crash has developed symptoms. So this woman that was in close contact with one of these monkeys now has a cough and has something similar to pink eye. We'll see what develops with that, but this all sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Now, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just a flash-in-the-pan news story and nothing comes of it. But that is very similar to how we felt when we first heard about a bat virus coming from a place in Wuhan, China. All of us kind of brushed it aside like, yeah, whatever, who cares? And then something happened after that to the rest of the world. Maybe this is part two. Maybe this is not part two. I don't know. I just think it's very interesting and worth mentioning. So we'll see what happens with that. Maybe nothing. Hopefully nothing. But... We thought it was not a big deal when the Wuhan stuff with the bat shit started. So let's keep a close eye on this and see what it turns into. I just think it's interesting that Bill Gates says, hey, we need to worry about smallpox and monkeypox. Then just a couple weeks later, the FDA approves a drug for smallpox. And it's important to keep in mind that smallpox was officially declared eradicated on December 9th, 1979, I'm reading from history.com here. It says the disease, which carries around a 30% chance of death for those who contract it, is the only infectious disease afflicting humans that has officially been eradicated. So we have not had any smallpox for some 40 plus years, and there's a sudden worry of outbreak of it? Right before we find some vials that are labeled with smallpox on it? Could be a psyop. Could be real. I don't know. In any case, it's very, very interesting. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, then we have this monkey outbreak that happens in Pennsylvania while the monkeys were being transported to somewhere that belongs to the CDC in the Midwest. Real interesting, hey? Let's see what happens. But that's enough dot connecting for now. We'll just sit back and enjoy our popcorn. Enjoy the show, everybody. So right now, let's get into this interview that I did with Justin O'Donnell from the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire. I hope you all enjoy. Let's
1: do it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, activists, anarchists, and people of the Internet, thanks for tuning in to another episode of O'Donnell for Liberty. As always, I'm your host, Justin. Before we get started, just remember, whatever platform you listen on, whether YouTube Live, Odyssey, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or on LRN.fm, you can help grow the show by liking, commenting, subscribing, and most of all, sharing it with your friends. If you enjoy the content, you can join our production team by visiting patreon.com slash O'Donnell for Liberty. Again, that's patreon.com slash O'Donnell, the number four Liberty. And make sure to check out Snackswag.com for all your favorite Liberty merch including some great new designs for t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, coffee mugs, tote bags, and more. Uh, whatever your heart desires. Again, check out Snackswag.com. You can check out the very new collection of ungovernable swag featuring John McAfee today. Now, if you want to keep in touch between shows, follow me on social media and join our community Discord channel where you can chat with other fans of the show at any time. All these links can be found in the description of the video or podcast you're listening to, as well as on O'DonnellForLiberty.com. So check that description for that link and make sure you give it a visit today. What's today's show about? Well, politics is downstream from culture. That's something I've been saying for years. It's something that should be seen as a second truth to life for everyone who's involved in the political struggle involved in the culture war of our time. And one of the most preeminent and forward pieces of that culture is art and music. That's where people see the shift in culture and how, to, how culture is shifting and how culture is growing year over year and how it's represented in its art. And every year, music seems to get more and more political. But the current trend is definitely in the opposition to liberty and expanded human freedom. The Current trend is you have politi- uh, musicians and celebrities constantly shelling for big government solutions to big government problems. Well, tonight's guest is someone who's going the other way, someone who's using his music to spread the message of liberty to those willing to hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome thrash metal band Havoc's frontman, David Sanchez. David, how are you tonight? I'm doing all right, Justin. How are you doing? I'm great. So, thanks for tuning. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, like I said in the intro, so tell us a little bit about yourself. You're other than just being, you know, a metalhead who performs and travels and writes music and sings. Like, who is David?
0: Oh boy, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I guess. Uh, well, like like you said, I I play in a band. I I play fast, heavy tight riffs, and I yell into the microphone in my band, Havoc, and for anyone listening that wants to look it up, it's Havoc with a K, because (laughs) we went to public school, (laughs) H-A-V-O-K, if you want to look it up, but uh, yeah, I've been all over the world, I've been to every continent except for Africa, and I I think I've been to over 50 countries, screaming my head off, literally, (laughs) about liberty and freedom and critical thinking and uh that's the message that i'm passionate about it wasn't always that way i started the band when i was 15 years old and as a 15 year old i didn't have a ton of like ingenious ideas cooking in my mind but later um realizing kind of how the world works in a way and reading more books and becoming a huge fan of george carlin and carl sagan and uh, a lot of the ancient philosophers like Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus, mm-hmm. uh, Plato, Socrates, all that kind of stuff. It really got my gears turning um, mentally and had me kind of going down this very long, infinite rabbit hole of, <laughs> of questioning things and um, being pro-freedom and extremely liberty-minded.
1: Yeah, and I mean... Metal seems to be a place where libertarians gravitate to. Uh, I have noticed like there's, I I likened it uh, in the past to there's something about a metal show where like you see a mosh pit as the most violent place you can imagine, but everybody in there has explicit consent and understanding of the rules of what's going on. And it's like the most beautiful chaotic anarchy in the world where everyone is on the same page and on the same level. Um, and it just seems like that kind of a consent culture that surrounds metal and metal shows really absorbs libertarians. Um, Cause you're, you're not the only libertarian metal musician. I mean, fans of the show know Phil Labonte. He's been on before. He's a friend of the show. Um, I've done some work with him and with all That remains, but you do go about it a little bit differently than someone like Phil does when all That remains and Phil, when they put out music, Politics is never the forefront of their message and what they're doing. If it's if, if the music and the art they're doing lends itself to a political message, so be it. I think he has one song where he slipped a line about Keynesiest, Keynesian economics into a metal song. Um, <laughs> but like one of your biggest songs is "Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death," which is just a thrash metal libertarian anthem.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty on the nose with a lot of the lyrics, and <laughs> yeah. that's very intentional. Uh, I, I feel like people's attention spans are constantly becoming shorter and shorter. And I don't want people to wonder what I'm talking about instead of making it veiled and uh, mysterious. I'm pretty on the nose and direct about it because I think that our time is very short here and we need to start making moves toward a more free direction. Uh, because the clock is ticking time is not our friend when it comes to this stuff. So instead of people, you know, instead of 1% of the people listening, identifying what I'm talking about and getting the message loud and clear, I'd rather just everyone get the message (laughs) loud and clear. And a lot of people
1: losing an audience that way, do do you worry about maybe not reaching some people who you might otherwise, because you've been so on the nose? Um, not really. I, I don't
0: know what else that I can, uh passionately talk about in, in music um it's not all um socio-political leaning there there's other things in there uh, topic wise but we are often labeled especially by writers and people interviewing me um as a political band and i would argue <laughs> that we're an apolitical band we're we're <laughs> anti-political because we're not trying to harp on one side or the other is the solution here. We're uh, in in the lyrics. I kind of am saying that the entire system is corrupt. Right. And it's all wrong. There's not a side of this that is correct here because they're all, at at least with the two major parties. And I'm sure you and a lot of your listeners could relate to this, but the two major parties, it's, it's a duopoly. It's two heads of the same snake. It's the illusion of choice. And uh, in, in the lyrics, I, I, Definitely make that, try to make that apparent that we're not trying to tell you like, hey, you should vote this way or vote that way or Republicans are the enemy or
1: Democrats are the enemy. I'm saying both of them are. I've definitely come to the understanding of the realization that the United States is a true two-party system. I just don't think the actual true two parties that matter are Republicans and Democrats. I think it's government and the rest of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is really unfortunate and insane because a couple hundred years ago when this country was founded, the idea was that the rules come from the bottom up and instead everything is upside down right now and the rules come from the top down. It's completely antithetical to the foundation of the country.
1: Yeah, and if, especially if you look at recent history, just the past two years, we've seen the greatest growth in overreach in federal government history. Um, like I, I think it's the single largest expansion of government power and government spending and overreach since the New Deal. And the New Deal was the single greatest expansion of government power and overreach since the Civil War.
0: And, yeah, like, and there's no end in
1: sight. sight. No, there, there's no end in sight unless you're coming to New Hampshire and helping us secede. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that what y'all are trying to do so tomorrow morning right here in new hampshire um the house committee on uh federal affairs and federal relations or whatever the hell they call uh <laughs> is hearing public testimony on a uh proposed constitutional amendment to the new hampshire constitution to peaceably declare our separation from the united states wow
0: so that will be um written into the Constitution that you're able to secede or that you are seceding? That we're declaring it happen. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I, good luck with that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm all about it. I, if you guys can make yourself more free, I, I have no uh, objection to that. We'll but see what one- happens
1: next time. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens if it passes. I'm not too optimistic about it passing this time around. The process is it needs to get two-thirds of the House, two-thirds of the Senate, and then two-thirds of a public vote in order for it to pass. So it's a lot of
0: hurdles. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing that I find very interesting about Texas. From what I understand, Texas is the only state in the union that has it
1: written into their constitution that they can secede. Right. But they've also, I believe there was a Supreme court case um, that said, no, they can't. And so like, it's a real big test. Like Texas hasn't written into their constitution that they can secede. They've never tried since they've had that written in. And right. then the Supreme Court has said, Yeah, no, you really don't. So Well, the I Supreme
0: Court says a bunch of wacky stuff, don't they?
1: Yeah, as as Lysander Spooner said, the Constitution really doesn't do shit for you if the people that are in charge of interpreting it don't remember what it says.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean there's that Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor. It <laughs> sounds like she doesn't understand anything that the Constitution constitution so, says
1: i mean the craziest thing about her she's she, uh, sonia sotomayor she was an obama appointee to the supreme court and for the past few years she has been like it's been a there's been a weird libertarian br- wing of the supreme court that was neil gorsuch who was trump's first appointee and sonia sotomayor who was obama's last appointee uh who like there was a whole bunch of like seven to two votes where it was the two of them voting in, against something that the rest of the judges voted for. And it'd be like, one of them was to get rid of Fruit of the Poisonous Tree and say that as long as a cop thought that you were breaking the law, they had the right to arrest you and search you. Uh, and Sonia Sotomayor and Neil Gorsuch wrote the libertarian dissent says this violates the Fourth Amendment. This violates due process. This, this is racist. And this will encourage police officers to abuse their power. Amazing. And then half the time she comes around and she's just like big government. Good. Government. Good. (laughs) And I don't understand why if
0: uh, the constitution doesn't expressly forbid or give the right to do something with the federal government, I don't understand why the States would have the right to do it.
1: Well, I, myself as an anarchist have come to the opinion, again, probably from reading too much Spooner, too much Rothbard and uh, living amongst all these great anarchists in the free state of New Hampshire. Um, Spooner said it best in no treason, the constitution of no authority. He said, be it one thing or another, either the constitution has allowed for such a tyranny as we live through to exist, or it has been powerless to prevent it. Either way, the document is unfit to exist.
0: Right. Well, I mean, things can be fit to exist, but, uh, (laughs) it doesn't mean that they necessarily hold any power or are important.
1: Right, and I, I feel like that's all that the Constitution really is, is. It's a good idea that was never followed through on. Yeah, great idea. And a lot of people like to trash
0: the founding fathers that uh, helped uh, author the text and say, well, they were racist slave, slave owners and uh, this, that, and the other. Like, yeah, okay, like I get your argument, but the ideas that were written down on the parchment are much more perfect than the men that wrote them. And the same goes for all kinds of uh, great wisdom throughout time. People that wrote them are largely flawed, but uh, a broken clock is right twice a day.
1: Right. And and that's how we end up getting Sonia Sotomayor writing some of the most libertarian literature to come out of the Supreme Court in decades, uh, just because she's been right twice a day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good way to put it. Yeah. Now I want to go back to something you said earlier about music. Um, when i asked like why you're so on the nose with your music and you said it's really the only thing you can write about and sing about as passionately as you do Mm -hmm. and i think that's really important that the too many people in music are just trying to sell records rather than make art that they're passionate about and other venue other mediums as well like i do a lot of photography and people keep asking me it's like hey why don't you do some portraits i'm like because i Fucking hate doing portraits it's not something i want to do it's like oh but it pays really well i'm like i don't care if it pays really well i'll be miserable doing it sure oh whatnot i think it's incredible that you can be so passionate about something but like it's really unfortunate that it has to be about liberty because we've reached the point where like now it's a passion because it's such a strong fight that we have to have uh, that, that it become something that is motivating. Uh, but I do agree with you that having something that you're passionate about uh, really, really makes the music and the art better when it's something that's inspired. I tell my friends all the time, even as an atheist, I love Christian rock because at least they're passionate about it. And sometimes the Christian metal just ends up being so much better than what their contemporaries are putting out because they actually care about what they're saying about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I'm singing Give
0: Me Liberty or Give Me Death live, I am genuinely getting angry in the middle of the song singing the words that I wrote. Um, obviously, I didn't write the line, uh, Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death. That was Patrick Henry right. who said it. But um, I, I agree with the sentiment. I would much rather live free. Uh, uh, sorry, I, w- I would much rather die free than live as a slave. And today, we're seeing so many people that welcome, beg for the chains of their own enslavement. And the best slaves are ones that don't know that they're slaves.
1: Yeah, no. um, Another musician who's kind of gone the way you have, just doing what they're passionate about, being about liberty and politics, but completely other genre, Tom McDonald. uh, Weirdly enough, a Canadian rapper who hates the government. uh, He has a line in his song, Fake Woke. He's like, they didn't free the slaves. They only realized they didn't need the chains. Yep. And then goes on. Yeah, to I think I know. I think I know. I think I know that guy that you're talking about.
0: He he has a, a song where the chorus is. Why are y'all so stupid? Is that him?
1: Some of, he's, he's got a ton of stuff out lately and it's all been like, going after Biden, going after the left, going after politics in general and the system. Um, and it seems like him and Chris Webby, just another white rapper from Connecticut, have just been trying to one-up each other and putting out great music about how much they hate the government. Uh, Chris, Chris Webby even has a line in one of his songs, like, I'm saying stuff even Tom McDonald is scared to say. Where like three years ago, nobody knew who either one of them were. <laughs> right. Yeah, the system deserves to be
0: um, like ridiculed the system as a whole deserves to be ridiculed because it a lot of people like to place the ba- place the blame on it, you know somewhere where it doesn't deserve to be they they think too small it's all republicans faults it's all democrats <laughs> faults it's all donald trump's fault it's all joe biden's fault the, the worldwide system is really what's flawed here and it's flawed from a liberty standpoint but if you're looking at it solely as Um, uh, logical uh, social manipulation, then the system is not broken. It's working perfectly. It's working exactly the way it was designed to work
1: for the people. It's designed to benefit. Absolutely. Which wasn't wasn't the people who listen to the show, which wasn't the people who work a nine to five and have bills to pay.
0: No, it's it's the people that uh, run the world's banks and, and (laughs) and run the uh, biggest industries on the planet.
1: Yeah. Uh, the people who are on a first name basis with Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Uh, those are the those are the ones who are desi- who are the benefactors of all the corruption, all the uh, manipulation. Media is. The, the, the fourth estate, the media has become just another arm of the government. At this point, Facebook and Twitter have become de facto arms of government censorship. Um, yes. Like we're crossing the line of what's a private platform, what's a private business, what's a public accommodation, and what's an arm of a corporate government. Because we don't, I, I don't believe we live in a democracy. People like to talk about, well, we, we live in a democracy. We have separation of government and uh, whatnot. I'm like, no, I, I I truly believe that the United States is a corporate fascist state and that most of these international conglomerate tech companies are just an extension of the government. That is
0: literally true. I mean, you had the the president's press secretary get on TV like a month or two ago yep. saying that, yeah, they do work with Facebook to fact check things and, and censor people. Now, people will... People like to turn into libertarians when you bring that up. Oh, well, they're just a private business. They could do whatever they want. Yeah, sure. That's fine. But when you're taking your marching orders from the federal government and then you're acting like an innocent um, private business, that is textbook definition fascism. When big companies and the government get in bed together and work together to screw over regular people, that is not freedom, that's not capitalism, that is literal fascism. Fascism doesn't always have uh, goose stepping and and a funny mustache.
1: I I think the big question that libertarians need to answer for themselves and like that it's been real hard to get libertarians to even acknowledge as a question is like, at what time does a private platform like Twitter or Facebook no longer be private? Like at what point is it no longer private? And At what point can you complain about their censorship being a violation of the first amendment, as opposed to a private company regulating its platform? Because like the big defense from some libertarians all the time is like, well, they're a private company. They can censor whoever they want. Okay. At what point are they no longer private and you'll have a problem?
0: Yeah. That's a great question. Um, me personally, I think that censorship in general, as a general rule of thumb is complete horseshit. Um, I feel the same way about like the FCC censoring songs on the radio or, you know, bleeping bits out of a
1: comedy routine and stuff like that. I think it's completely asinine. Sure. I mean, uh, there are some times where I do agree with the, property owner and the platform owner's decision uh, to do what they want. Even if I disagree with the decision, I agree with their right. Like Odyssey, a phenomenal censorship-free video platform that's not truly censorship-free. They do block you from doing putting porn um, or other obscene videos up on Odyssey to be played on that platform. Okay. They're, still, they're still available on the library blockchain, but they have just decided they don't want them to be on that platform. They, sure. uh, so you can still store them on the library blockchain. They just won't be searchable or playable on Odyssey. Big deal. You can use the library client to go find them if you want. Um, but like, then I have to wrap my head around, okay, but I'm mad when YouTube takes down one of my videos where we were talking about the election on January 6th. Like, What's the difference? YouTube has just decided they don't want that content on their platform. I'm okay with it when Odyssey does it, but not with YouTube. And am I okay with it when Odyssey does it just because they're small and because the former CEO and the founder of Odyssey is a good friend of mine? And am I mad about it when YouTube does it? Because the reality is that YouTube has become the new public square and has higher video ratings and higher news uh, ratings than CNN and MSNBC do. Like more people get their news from YouTube than TV. For sure. Definitely. Well, I
0: I think the key distinction that you uh, pointed out that makes sense to me is uh, pornography. If it's pornographic, that's a big difference from you spewing out your opinion about January 6th. Uh, I think that is an infringement on your freedom of speech if they're going to censor something like you ranting about January 6th versus you're showing a dude blow two donkeys, you know.
1: Well, even even with that distinction, it might be that the actual only censorship-resistant platform left is Pornhub because there's plenty of non-pornographic videos on Pornhub if you look deep enough on them. I remember when YouTube first started its censoring and first started their spree of deleting videos and channels, it was FPS Russia, his gun channel, got taken down off of YouTube. And so he just uploaded every single video to Pornhub, and they created a whole new channel for him called Gun Porn. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like, see the the free market will will thrive yeah um but like no I, I think that is the big question is like at what point does a medium of information distribution become the public square of communication and no longer private and are twitter facebook and youtube at that point yet
0: i think you could easily argue that facebook twitter youtube things like that are kind of at that point, where they should be considered the public square.
1: Yeah, they should be considered the public square, but at the same time, they're not a monopoly. One of the reasons that the news, the cable news, was considered uncensorable and was considered the public square for a long time is because the government granted them a monopoly on the airwaves, on the contingents, on the contingent that they present the news to the American people in an unbiased and informative way and they were given a monopoly on television airwaves in exchange for that service. And so they were always a uh, public square. The news has always been a public square, and the rights of the press have always been enshrined under the First Amendment. Um, But platforms like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, combined with the availability of WordPress and people to just host their own websites, like, what's a journalist? (laughs) Like, the, the First Amendment isn't just about free speech, it's about free press. What constitutes a journalist now? Any person with a Twitter account in the right place at the right time can be a journalist. Sure. Like I've yeah. broken, I've broken national news stories on Twitter just because I happened to be in the right place at the right time when a cop pulled out a can of mace and punched a little girl in the face and I got it on camera in Boston. It started a riot in Boston. I happened to be the one person there with a camera. Am I a journalist? <laughs> y- yes. Yes. <laughs> So, but when Twitter takes down that video, are they suppressing the, uh, are they suppressing my free speech or are they suppressing the press?
0: Well, I think they're doing both, honestly. Um, (laughs) yeah, this is such a interesting topic because they are private companies, but you know, when they start censoring, even your private messages between people. That's uh, that's an, an another level, a- and that's only like a half a step away from I send you a text message and it gets uh, AI reads through it and decides, oh, we shouldn't be sending that to information to people, so let's just delete the text. That's where nope. stuff is gonna start getting real, real weird. And I don't think we're very far off from that. Orwell called it very accurately with the ministry of truth and the censorship and uh, suppression of free speech, suppression of ideas, and the, the whole double think, double speak, thought
1: police stuff. That's all becoming way too real. So I I don't think that they'll ever be able to successfully censor private messages and uh, individuals' ability to communicate because we've seen so many great decentralized models come out in recent years. And oddly enough, WhatsApp, a Facebook product, spurned a generation of new uh, self-contained censorship-resistant um, encrypted communications platforms like Signal, Sessions, not Telegram. Telegram's awful. Never use Telegram. <laughs> but all these new open source, free market alternatives to Facebook Messenger and carrier SMS, where the cell carriers are reading your messages, and shit. It was Jack Dorsey just tweeted use Signal once uh, last year, and it became the largest uh, messaging app in the downloads in ever like overnight uh, i remember i've been using signal for years and it just stopped working for 3 days because they did not expect 80 million people to download it overnight right yeah and i'm very thankful for things like that
0: um the these censorship censorship resistant platforms it is quite nice um the thing that's potentially scary in the dystopian vision that so many sci-fi writers had is what if uh, all these other platforms go the way of Facebook and they go the way of YouTube and Twitter and start sifting through what is going on there <laughs> and start censoring it. And it's a very real possibility. I mean, so many, we all use technology that we don't understand how it works. And there are people that are much smarter than, than me figuring this shit out and, and are able to... like the, the simple fact that hacking exists is uh, just mind blowing to me. Like someone can hack into a computer that's got passwords, and you know, do all this uh, research and and forensic uh, recon on an electronic device. That's mind blowing to me, but it's real. It's very real, and it's only going to get more intense and more in depth, especially with the advancements in technology, with AI and computers being able to do
1: many things that humans
0: once used to be the only
1: things that could do it well touching on the idea of a dystopia there you you talk about what orwell gets right and um funny story i don't know if i I told you this story i told angela angela mccardle who introduced us uh this story a couple times but like my path to libertarianism and my path to coming to being an anarchist and rejecting the government was never an academic path i didn't start reading books i didn't start um logical thinking i was in the army (laughs) and a one-time a domestic security mission, my unit was tasked with security for the Boston Marathon. Yep. That didn't go too well. Uh, and then a few months later, we were tasked with security for 4th of July in Boston. And we overreacted to that uh in after the boston marathon bombing to like the nth degree and we had a joint task force with fbi dea atf every three-letter agency you could imagine cameras set up all over the city checkpoints everywhere searching people's bags detaining people because they annoyed us we detained a deaf guy because we didn't know what he was saying uh and we just handed him over to the boston police and said you find a translator and figure out if he should be detained or not um it was a complete and utter overreaction gross violation of civil rights gross violation of human rights because everyone was scared but at one point i was walking with my lieutenant and showing him the rope. he was a brand new lieutenant just out of college ink wasn't yet dry on his commission or his college degree this is just a few weeks after he graduated college and got his commission he hadn't even been to basic training yet Mm -hmm. and explaining the ropes to him and some guy just sits down in a lawn chair on the sidewalk in front of us and starts reading a book right underneath a camera system. And the Lieutenant starts yelling at him and I just died laughing, burst into tears, laughing. Lieutenant's like, what's so funny. I'm like, he's reading 1984. (laughs) (laughs) And the Lieutenant's like, what's funny about that? And then over the next 10 minutes, as I was explaining the plot of 1984 to my Lieutenant, I'm just like, ah, shit. We're the bad guys. And had that click with me, like I I, I wow. realized in the heat of the moment that I was the bad guy in that situation, and like it took a few months after that of really starting to think about things and realize, and then my reenlistment came up. Like nope, adios, see ya, I'm out of here. But that dystopian narrative that Orwell wrote and like it, it really stuck with me, and it's something that. Since I've written, like I've written a book, I'm working on a couple of books right now, and I've done a lot of reading. in just writing is just another art form, just like music, just like painting, just like any other art form. I've noticed that almost every dystopian novel out there, whether it's Bradbury's Fahrenheit 51, uh, Orwell, anything Orwell's written, anything Huxley's written, anytime an author wants to present a future that's a dystopia they do so by making the government an oppressive fascist state. And anytime a fantasy author wants to present a hero, they're usually somebody with libertarian values fighting against an oppressive state. Yeah, that's a really good insight. And I've noticed this as I've been reading a lot, and it struck me as I feel like a lot of these authors aren't libertarian themselves it's just when they go into the process of world building and trying to build something up from nothing the the raw logic of the situation in the world they live in is inescapable and they're forced to write what they've experienced not what they believe it's a really
0: interesting way to look at
1: it yeah but it, it just struck me when you started mentioning dystopias i'm like every book i've written about a dystopia it's been Reminiscent of the government we live under now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one thing that they
0: all have in common, all, all the examples that you gave Fahrenheit 451, uh, yeah. Brave New World uh, 1984, the common thread with all those, other than the government being oppressive yeah. and tyrannical, is what are they trying to basically keep from people? Information. Right. There's a big suppression of information. And when you stop the the flow of information, you control the world. Think about it. Think about it. If none of us had the internet, none of us could find out anything about the history of John D. Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, uh, the Warburgs, the Rothschilds.
1: Jekyll uh, Island.
0: Yeah, the creature from Jekyll Island, the Federal Reserve, all this stuff. Imagine if we didn't have the internet and all we had was public schools. And all the the libraries were censored. We would not know any of this stuff. And they would literally control everything that's known. And and we're getting closer and closer to that kind of a thing. But at the same time, the internet is opening more doors than they're
1: able to shut. They're not able to shut them all fast enough. Has the internet been a double-edged sword, though? Yes. Like... Because, like, I I I look at it objectively. You're correct. Like, we have access to the complete and total sum of all human knowledge at our fingertips. But since that access has become so commonplace and readily available, it seems like people have gotten dumber. You're not wrong. Like, and like, public education today is an embarrassment to what public education was 20 years ago.
0: But, yeah I mean Department of Education was started in nineteen seventy nine so you go back anywhere before then, and there was a lot less propaganda being pumped into the heads of young people.
1: I graduated high school in two thousand and eight, like not even that long ago, and I remember just being bored out of my goddamn mind through the entirety of high school mm-hmm. and like never being challenged, like never bothering to do my homework, bored out of sh my, my mother fucking was annoyed to all hell with me because i was just bored and not trying and i was like i was like still a straight a and b student it's just like teachers that complain about me not trying and subjects i didn't care about but like i talked to kids today who were my age and my mother's in the facebook chat too great um, <laughs> <laughs> i talked <Hi>, <laughs> i talked to people like with their kids in school today and it's like because I, I do live in a very vibrant libertarian community i'm fortunate enough to have like neighbors who are also libertarian and friends who are also libertarian around me and most of them homeschool their kids or most of them their kids are in alternative education not public school but the few whose kids are in public school are so far behind their peers and when talking to them about like what they're learning in school i'm like what the fuck like I remember, like, I, w- I wouldn't have been allowed to go to first grade if I hadn't covered that in kindergarten. Sure. And, and, like, you have kids in, like, fourth and fifth grade who still can't read yet.
0: Yep. Yeah, in
1: California,
0: I think they are passing a bill, or maybe they did pass it, where you, they're going to get rid of failing grades. You're not going to be able to get held back. You, they'll just pass you. Even if you can't read, can't write, can't do math, n- none of that, it doesn't matter. They'll just give you a diploma. And, and the, the Mike Judge movie... Idiocracy was it's a documentary of more of a documentary. <laughs> I rewatched yeah. it pretty recently and dude, it's insane how prophetic so many parts of that movie are. Um, like money. Yeah. I like money, <laughs> 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 but, uh, it's, it's wild how not only sci-fi writers, but then people that wrote satire, mm-hmm. um, have all been, kind of vindicated with, with a lot of what's happening today
1: yeah so like babylon b got censored on facebook at one point and like facebook took down one of their posts for misinformation and rated it as only partially true and babylon b just posted it's like when the satire has become so close to reality that you can't tell the difference we have a problem no kidding yeah ain't that <laughs> like, the truth like Babylon B just made up some wild shit that, like, two weeks later, a congressional hearing revealed was true about, like, wow. COVID protocols just being made up out of their ass.
0: Oh, yeah, with the six <laughs> feet uh, socially distance rule.
1: Yeah, oh, I think this was as far back as when uh, Fauci was saying not to wear masks because masks don't work. And Babylon B says, Japan's cultural history proves you wrong. <laughs> yeah, isn't it something
0: that. Uh- Yeah, it's amazing. There's so much uh, backpedaling and back and forth and goalposts moving. I do find it very fascinating, though, how we're in this age of technology and robots and all this information everywhere here in 2022. And all of a sudden, in the last two years, there's been a lot of developments and recent research on masks. We learned a lot about (laughs) face masks just in
1: the last two years. It was never studied before. Isn't that funny? Well, it's, it's mind blowing to me because like, there's been so much arguments on both sides. And like, I try and look at things objectively and I try, it's not possible. I do not believe an individual can look at a problem objectively. Your, your opinions have been colored by your friends, your experiences, what you've already read beforehand. I try to look at things objectively that I ended up getting in fights with friends because I wouldn't say Kyle Rittenhouse was not guilty before the trial. Like I kind of want to see the evidence. Uh, (laughs) turns out he was not guilty but like i'm like i want to <laughs> see what happens um but like when it comes to masks like very early on it's like i don't want to wear a mask i hate wearing masks but like i start hyperventilating i got breathing issues like I had some times from this time when i was in the army and i got stuck in a burning truck it just freaks me out wearing Holy a mask shit. for too long time yeah so i'm like i'm just not gonna wear a fucking mask i haven't worn a mask in like two goddamn years but at the same time people are like people were saying masks don't work i'm like well. Then why do doctors wear them in the OR if they don't work? Like, like hear, hear me out here. Maybe they do work. And <laughs> I'm like, how come Japan never has massive flu outbreaks in the winter when everyone just wears masks? As and they've been doing that since the SARS attacks in the 90s. Um, that's just something that people in Japan have been doing culturally, and they got through COVID pretty much just fine. Um they, they actually
0: uh put myocarditis warnings on all of the labels of their vaccines and stopped mandatory vaccination over there.
1: Yeah. You know, because a country of smart people who like recovered from getting nuked by trying to take over the world of computers, maybe they read the manual. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, and, and to what you said, I I think, yeah, masks do do something, but, uh, maybe masks didn't do much against COVID, but you know what I'm, damn sure masks and social distancing and people washing their hands did do eradicated the seasonal flu in 2021. Well, the seasonal
0: (laughs) flu, the, uh, the antidote to that was COVID-19 COVID-19 got rid of the flu for an entire year.
1: Yeah. Because like, I, I don't think social distancing and masks and whatnot really helped with COVID if it's as viral and as like, and spreads as virally as they claim it is, and it surpassed all the masking regulations and everything, it sure as shit stopped the flu. Yeah, <laughs> or
0: they were just calling everything uh, that was flu COVID-19, which I think is a lot more likely than the flu just disappeared mm-hmm. for a year. But yes. um, I think the, the mask thing, obviously does, it, it does a little bit of something, but to me it's it's like pissing your pants with your underwear on. The piss is still going to get all over your pants and eventually get out of your pants, but I mean, the underwear stopped some of it from coming out.
1: Yeah, it's like, what? what is it? Someone who I hate politically, uh, Nick Sarwark, uh, former chair of the Libertarian Party. He used to say uh, when it came to like signing online, people get, were trying to sign a petition to get him to resign. And he uh, said, that's like pissing your pants while wearing a dark suit. You might get a warm, fuzzy feeling, but nobody's going to notice. <laughs> so that's my go-to one with that it's like that's great but no it's somebody in the
0: somebody in the comments here said masks cover up bell's
1: palsy (laughs) doc i gotta be careful with doc i love you doc but one time doc asked a question my guest answered the question the video got nuked by youtube and i got suspended for two weeks it was a great question though (laughs) well they don't they don't like great questions (laughs) Yeah, no, it was a question about their, you know, priorities while running for lieutenant governor in a state with spotty election history. Oh, I see. (laughs) Yeah. So, great question to be asked. Apparently, YouTube didn't like the answer. Uh, But that video is available on Odyssey, Doc, if you want to go check it out there. It's still there, that interview. (laughs) I I do have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. So, right now,
0: seems like the best time ever for third parties to actually get some footing. I don't think And so. I'm I'm wondering what's up with the Libertarian Party and some of these other parties like people are rejecting the the duopoly more than ever right now.
1: I don't think they are. Um so I, I, the problem is our voting system is set up in a way to reinforce first two party systems. Of uh, course with plurality elections and mm-hmm. Uh, until we have like approval voting or until we have continuous runoff or score voting or any alternative voting or proportional representation, which would be fantastic. The one thing Europe does right is how it elects representatives. (laughs) Um, Once they get into office, they do horrible shit. But like how they're chosen is much better than how we choose our representatives. Um, I don't think a third party stands a shot in hell in this country. Um, the, The highest elected office a third party candidate has ever achieved is the u.s senate and i think i don't i don't know if it really freaking counts that bernie sanders wins as a third party candidate in vermont when he runs as an independent because everyone in vermont knows oh he's a democrat uh i I don't think it counts that uh angus king in maine wins as an independent because everyone's like oh he's a democrat he's friends with bernie sanders and it didn't count when Lisa Murkowski won as an independent in Alaska because everyone's like, "Oh, she's a Republican." It, it's yeah. Everyone is so
0: stuck it. in this uh, two-party system lie. Everyone yeah. is so stuck in that thing. It's
1: amazing. Yeah, and it, it's, it's weird in at the state rep level. Like libertarians have never been elected to anything higher than state representative. And that's only happened a handful of times. It happened once in Vermont, once in Alaska, twice in Alaska, once in Vermont, twice in Alaska. Um, Recently um, just happened in Wyoming in 2020. Um, And it's happened like a dozen or so times in New Hampshire, but New Hampshire is a weird and special place. And it's very close to our hearts. We love it here um, where libertarians actually can win, but I'm not sure that the best path towards liberty is the Libertarian Party trying to engage in politics. I think the Libertarian Party can exist as a great marketing, messaging, and educational enterprise, and supporting down ballot candidates for nonpartisan races that really matter because I don't give a shit about the U S Senate. I don't give a shit about the house of representatives because what they do doesn't affect me immediately in my daily life. What affects me immediately in my daily life is what my city board of aldermen does, what the school board does, what the tax assessor's office does. And, I think the Libertarian Party should refocus its efforts entirely on recruiting, grooming, and training people to run for these local offices that can have immediate impacts on people's daily lives where we don't have to overcome the partisanship barrier. We don't have to overcome the Republican or Democrat barrier because they're already historically nonpartisan races, and we can use the organization to manage and organize people to attack these vulnerabilities that the state has, which is the local level. I
0: think that's a really smart way to do it, and that seems a lot more viable and uh, right. just more more based in reality. I, I totally see that. What, what are your thoughts on, I mean, one, one person that I think should have been president a long time ago, and uh, is a libertarian in the true sense of the word, but didn't run as one. He ran as a Republican. But what are your thoughts on Ron Paul?
1: Ron Paul ran as a libertarian in 1988.
0: Yeah, but I mean, the last time he got close to yep. to becoming a president, he was running as a Republican. He is a libertarian, but he ha- of so, had, had to wear the hat.
1: I'm gonna piss people off with this one, Doc. Cover your ears, don't listen. Uh, all you Mises Caucus people, cover your ears, don't listen. Don't get too mad. I think Ron Paul's time is past.
0: Oh think yeah, Ron for Paul, sure. he's, he's Ron Paul has old. done.
1: He has done more for the liberty movement than any other person alive today, and. Mm-hmm. Can never take that away from him. What he has done has been incredible. The motivation, the energy, the people he's brought into the Liberty Movement, um, and the hope he's given the Liberty Movement have been incredible. However, I think too many people in the Liberty Movement are hung up on him and just hang on. Well, what would Ron Paul do? What would Ron Paul say? I like, I don't. We need a new generation of leaders, and I, I think we need more than just one. And I don't Definitely. think we can just replace Ron Paul. Like a, a, a couple of years back, there was a push and people were thinking maybe Larry sharp is going to be the new Ron Paul. Um, uh, maybe Thomas Massey is going to be the new Ron Paul. Maybe Rand Paul will be the new Ron Paul Then Rand spoke I'm like, Nope, not him. Uh, <laughs> it's like ever it was a constant search for who's the next Ron Paul. And unfortunately, I think, especially in the last couple of years, like Ron's content runs like energy and like, He needs to step back and enjoy his retirement, and I don't think it's time for the next Ron Paul. I don't think we should be looking for a next Ron Paul. I don't think the Liberty Movement would survive another like monolithic hero structure. I think that there are people in the Liberty Movement who are incredible messengers, who are charismatic, who are outgoing leaders, who could each step up in a small way, what they're already doing and collectively be better than Ron Paul ever was. If the whole group of them, and that's your Michael Malice, Dave Smith, Robbie Bernstein, Spike Cohen, Larry Sharp. Um, there, there's a litany of them, like in this tiers of them. Um, but I think if that group of people were to step up and just start going balls to the wall, that collectively, they could be better than Ron Paul ever had the opportunity to be. Yeah, there's definitely strength
0: in numbers. And yeah. uh, you can get rid of a person, but you can't kill the idea. You know, right. so and, and as more long as the that- idea is strongly held by a, a
1: large number of people, the, that can change the entire world very truly. Even more to it, like Ron Paul spoke to a very specific set of people, people like you, people like Dave Smith, who was brought in by Ron Paul, people who appreciated that more right-leaning message of personal and individual liberty and property rights. But there's a big slew of people who are primed and ready to make the jump to fighting for liberty and human freedom who Ron Paul never spoke to who were never captured by the property rights arguments who were never captured by the right-wing approach to freedom. And there is a left-wing approach to freedom. And it's just a matter of finding messaging that's consistent in principle to approach those people with. And I think by diversifying our cast of characters atop the movement, we diversify the reach of the message and we can see exponential growth moving forward in the future. Um, And again, it'll always be on the backbone of what Ron Paul built. Sure. But it's to the point where we need to start reaching beyond what Ron Paul ever had the ability to grab. Right. Yeah, I
0: appreciate what what you had to say about the topic. You said uh, uh, a lot more than (laughs) I thought you were going to. Um, As far as his
1: strategy, as far as his strategy of being a hardcore, dedicated principal libertarian and running as a Republican, I will say there are more Dues-paying members of the Libertarian Party currently serving as state legislatures, state legislators in New Hampshire as Republicans than anywhere else in the country combined. So the strategy worked. Yeah, that's great. No, and I I love the idea of bringing it
0: more local, like more and yeah. more local level. I think that's a smart way to infiltrate the system, so to speak. Even if you have these. Uh, puppets on the higher levels running as R's and D's but you have everyone on the local level really freedom minded that makes a a huge difference Um, find that
1: white woman at her local school board who's really really fucking pissed off about her kids being forced to wear a mask to school every day and get her to run sure yeah, the Karen Coalition (laughs) if you can weaponize soccer moms for liberty we'll win Oh, yeah. Yeah. All it
0: takes is a a tireless minority, right?
1: Right. And there's no minority as tireless as white women in minivans. (laughs) (laughs) Like they will will stay there until they speak to the manager. And if there is no manager, God help you, you better find one. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. But no, we have about 25% of the legislature in New Hampshire right now I would comfortably call libertarian.
0: That's excellent. That's a a lot more than than most places
1: that I'm aware of. Yeah. And that's how we can lay claim to being the freest state in the country. When are you going to move? Maybe summer only. Summer, oh come on. That's what Phil's doing. Phil, Phil, by the way, Phil Labonte, who is a native New Englander, grew up in Massachusetts. Yeah. So it, his move to New Hampshire was like 20 minutes north. Uh it's now summering, is now wintering in Texas because he can't handle the cold. And I'm like, you're a coward. <laughs> it's a it's
0: amazing that people used to live up there uh way before central air and, and
1: heating and AC and all that kind of stuff. It's not actually that cold. Dude. Colorado is colder. The Midwest is colder. Midwest
0: is brutal. I, I couldn't yeah. imagine living in Chicago every winter.
1: And I said this to somebody earlier today. If like if somebody truly believes that the free state projects mission by condensing as many libertarians into one place as possible to like prove that libertarianism works as a proof of concept and forming a libertarian state by taking over the state's politics. If somebody actually believes in that message and believes in that mission and they have not moved to New Hampshire and their one reason is because it's too cold. What the fuck man, like get a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Like, if, a, yeah. if the only thing standing between you and Freedom is a jacket, you've got bigger problems. Yeah, definitely. Well, I live in Colorado. It gets, it gets cold here.
0: Yeah. It's freezing out here today. Like, at least we're at sea level. <laughs> well, you, you guys got those um, nor'easters.
1: That's nothing. We just had a nor'easter. I got, like, two and a half inches of snow. It's already all melted. It's only been two days. It's gone. There's no snow on the roads here. And it didn't actually even get cold enough. Low-key, my apartment, I keep it around 68 degrees. I do like it a little bit colder than most people. I still have not turned on my heat this winter because it hasn't gotten wow. cold enough. Wow. Yeah, it's been a pretty
0: warm winter out here. We've It's been dry. It's barely snowed at all, um, which is weird because I know that they've got the technology to do the cloud seeding and then hit them with the lasers and make it rain and make it snow. So. That all comes in handy when you're trying to kill a bunch of people in another country, but it doesn't come in handy when your state is on fire or uh, you need some water.
1: Yeah. Who knows? Although random fact of the day, nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with Liberty. I I saw a clip about like somebody who died in the most horrifically impossible, horrific possible manner. Like I cannot imagine what happened, like what this guy's thought process as it was going. Um, and when they were going through the wreckage of a brush fire in Australia, mm-hmm. they, found, uh, they found a body in the fire. Not uncommon. Except this body was wearing full scuba gear. Whoa. In the middle of the desert. And they're like, what the shit? And uh, after their investigation, they determined that one of the planes that dips in to scoop up water to dump it over the fire picked up a scuba diver. Oh, my <laughs> God. How like how terrifying is that? Like, yeah, oh, I'm gonna go look at the coral reef, motherfucker. I'm gone. Oh no, <laughs> that is the most unlucky
0: dude ever. Holy shit!
1: Yeah, and like it's that and the one person to ever die from marijuana. I saw uh, <laughs> the I headline was the headline was blunt force trauma because <laughs> a smuggler dropped a bale of marijuana out of a plane and landed on their head. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> way it is going to kill you. So it, it's just mind-blowing. Now, all right, I mean, what's next for you? Like, what are you guys? What are you doing with Havoc? You guys, I, I know Phil's going back on tour. Um, I know, like, Mark Morton, a friend of the show with Lamb of God, they're back in the studio. What are you guys doing?
0: Uh, kicking around some ideas to maybe write some new music here soon. We don't have any plans to hit great. the road anytime soon, but uh, we put out a record last year. Uh, oh shit in 2020 so a couple years ago now um and a lot of the lyrics that wound up on that record people thought were written about covid but the entire record was finished (laughs) before covid hit so it just wound up being unfortunately prophetic but um just kicking around some ideas for writing some new stuff we may try to go on tour when uh medical segregation is less popular at music venues and because uh, to be honest, I don't want to support any of these places that did any of this stuff. Um, I, I don't I don't want to make them any money whatsoever.
1: No, I want to support the, the
0: underdogs that that <laughs> did not go the route of, uh, you know, right, 1964. So
1: let me pitch you on Porkfest. Yeah, what's pork, Porkfest? Like barbecue? The Porcupine Freedom Festival. Last oh, week okay. in June, every summer up at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Beautiful up in the mountains. We call them mountains. You might call them a hill. Uh, <laughs> we've got a 6K. <laughs> um, but we get it's the single largest gathering of libertarians and anarchists in the world year over year. Um, it's officially now the longest running libertarian festival, uh, because unlike everyone else, we didn't take a year off for COVID we still got, like, in the height of COVID, we got 2,000 people up in the woods together for a week-long party. Awesome. And uh, in the past, we've had Eric July and Backwards have performed. Phil was supposed to come this year, but he chickened out. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there's, always, there's been bands that have performed in the past, and uh, it's a huge Libertarian Festival. Big, full week. They also do some speakers. Like, if people care about the academic portion, like if you want to hear Jeffrey Tucker talk about economics or... Um I'm still trying to get Hans Herman Hoppe to come out and talk about how democracy's terrible um, but stuff <laughs> like that uh last year, Angela McCardle came out and she did a debate against Jeremy Kaufman for the Soho forum at the uh I festival. saw that
0: I saw yeah. the video of that
1: yeah she and, she uh, tore him to pieces. <laughs> He also had home crowd advantage too. Like I felt bad. Like I'm sitting there. I'm like, mm. <laughs> they're both really good friends of mine. Like mm, I've known Angela longer. Jeremy's my neighbor. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was diff- that. That was a fun day. Um, and then like outside of like the pavilion and the those activities, it's a oh, literally a week long festival. Food trucks, vendors, agorism, um, parties, raves every night.
0: Well, um, even if I can't come out there to play something like that, I would love to attend. So you'll have to fill me in on on how to make it so over there. To,
1: well, so everybody should, because I got some inside info a couple hours ago, actually, uh, from one of the organizers of Porkfest, that tickets are already three-fourths sold out. So if you want to go to Porkfest, you should go to porkfest.com to get tickets. Um, three, Is it pork with out. a C?
0: Yep. It because it's porcupine?
1: All right. Yes, sir. I'm going to type it into my computer right now just so I can't forget. (laughs) Um, OrcFest.com. Yeah. And from what I heard, like hotels around the campground are already sold the fuck out, like entirely. And uh, they're running out of campsites too.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to look into that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the only other thing I'm up to recently is podcasting. Uh, I have a podcast called Riffs or Die. Uh, because i like guitar riffs and i like to <laughs> riff on ideas so if you if anybody listening to this liked anything i said you might enjoy my podcast riffs or die go to riffs or com. i've got some cool merchandise in there um on the website that you can buy and uh just wrapped up editing for episode 60 of the podcast that's going to be coming out here this week nice and you're on twitter at david freeving everybody go get yeah, a follow on twitter yeah i'm not I'm not on Twitter that often, so Twitter's not be the messed. best place, but uh Twitter's more frequently
1: I want to get you on twitter more Liberty- i don't know if you, I want to do that once you get hooked into libertarian anarchist twitter it's like oh this shit's hilarious there's and- a
0: lot of good shit, and I see a lot of it on Instagram. People screenshot the Twitter stuff and uh post it up there i'm I'm a lot more active on Instagram, so if people want to find me there. I've been shadow banned, but I have a backup page just in case that one goes away. And you can find me at David Freethink or David underscore Havoc. And it's Havoc with a K. All
1: right. Like this.
0: Oh, wait, wait.
1: (laughs) There it is. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Uh, If you guys, again, want to keep in touch, join the Discord, follow on Twitter, follow on social media. If you want to get your merch, head over to sneckswag.com. Make sure you check out Riffs or Die, check out David's podcast, check out all his work as well, and go subscribe to him and follow his show, and check out his music. I have. It's great, but I like metal. I think you will, too, (laughs) after you listen to it. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Justin. Until next time, everybody, be free.
0: That's a wrap, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in all the way till the end. I appreciate your attention. Let me know if you got any comments about this episode. Or if you have any questions, send them over to me at podcast at com. I got a really great interview to do this week, and it's something that y'all have been asking for for a long time, so look forward to that one next week. Until then, please continue to share the show. Go to riffsordie.com and pick up some merch. There's some really cool stuff in there if you haven't checked it out. I highly suggest you go and peep it. There might be some stuff in there that you would like to own and wear proudly. If you want to be in the Zoom hangout this weekend, go to patreon.com slash die and sign up, $10 level or higher, and I will see you there. Take care of yourselves and each other, everybody. Keep fighting the good fight, and I will talk to you soon. Onward and upward, riffers! Woo!